Hello and welcome to the official Ideas for Us podcast. Join us on a journey to discover solutions to Earth's most pressing environmental issues by learning from experts and professionals advancing our sustainable future. On today's episode, we bring you a special discussion with the IDEAS executive team on the current coronavirus pandemic, how it has affected us, and how we are reacting to it as people and as part of the environmental movement. You can email us at contact.ideasforus.org with your comments, feedback, and questions. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the links in the show notes. Support this podcast and our environmental action projects by donating or becoming a member at ideasforus.org slash memberships. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello, everybody. We are here live on our first Ideas for Us online event for Earth Month 2020 on solidarity and sustainability. I am Ernest Calderon. I am the communications officer of Ideas for Us. And today we're going to be joined by the Ideas executive team uh, to talk a little bit about this crisis that we find ourselves in how we're doing, how we've reacted to it, and what we're going to do moving forward uh, as a community, as an organization, and as an environmental movement. Um, so before I uh, jump in, let me just introduce the team here. Um, I have Lee, Clay, and Caroline joining us. Uh, Lee is the chief operations officer. Caroline is the chief administrative officer. And Clay is, of course, our executive director. So you'll be hearing from all of us today. Um, and in case you don't know, Ideas for Us is an environmental solutions incubator. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, United Nations accredited organization tasked with taking global uh, issues and trying to solve them on a local level. And uh, we do that by developing, funding, and scaling action in our five focus areas of sustainability, which are energy, water, food, waste, and ecology. Uh, but we find ourselves in an interesting time here where everybody's confined to their homes on lockdown and quarantine. And we just have been going through a lot as an organization and as people the past couple of weeks with this pandemic. And we just wanted this uh, event to be a way to voice kind of what this is, what we've done, and how Ideas is going to keep doing everything that we've been doing, all of the momentum that we've built up over the last uh, year uh, and decade of this organization and continue it in this new world that we find ourselves in. Um, so Right before we get into um, the actual event, I just want to update people on the actual numbers of the pandemic, of uh, the COVID-19 disease. So if you go on our website, ideasforus.org uh, forward slash COVID-19, you'll find a landing page full of great resources. And one that I have looked at a lot 
following this crisis is this global map right here that shows us uh, all of the numbers across the world of the infection. So as of today, and let me see if I refresh this, if uh, we're at one and a half million cases of COVID-19 around the world. And today we passed the 400,000 mark uh, here in the US. We're at 423,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19. In Florida, we are at 15,456 cases. And here we are broadcasting from Orlando. Ideas for us is a global organization, but we are headquartered in Orlando. Orange County, we're at 803 cases of COVID-19 confirmed. So that just gives you an idea of how serious this is and how quickly it has progressed and advanced. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to throw it over to Clay. And Clay is going to talk about what Ideas for Us has done, because we've had so many meetings over the past almost three to four weeks about how we've handled this and how we're going to kind of shift the organization moving forward. So Clay has been instrumental in leading that charge and dealing with all the government aid and sort of the big picture decisions along with the board of directors as to uh, what Ideas is, is going to do. So Clay, go ahead. Thank you so much, Ernest. And um, it's just wonderful to be here, you know, with our team and, and safe and sound. You know, these are unprecedented times that we find ourselves in. Um, never before, I think, in our current human lifetime that we have uh, right now in the world, have we faced something like this. You know, there's a lot of comparisons to COVID-19 to the other SARS-related viruses from the turn of the century uh, of you know, now two centuries ago, 20, uh, 1917, 1918. And, um, you know, no one alive really ha can, can speak to what that was like and what it did to society. So we're in uncharted territory, of course, um, as an environmental organization, right? We have to think about what is the impact that this is going to have on the environment? What's the impact it's going to have on society as a whole? Because that's an important piece of uh, sustainability, of course, and the economy. And um, every single day, we're in a time where things are changing. So as ideas for us, right, our first concern that we had was, what is the best thing for our organization, for us to bring our best programs forward uh, when the dust settles and it's safe to emerge from quarantine? And also, what's the best thing for our staff? So these were really our two main, uh, you know, concerns, you know, moving forward. Of course, our volunteers and our interns uh, were some of the first action that we took, uh, you know, once the World, uh, World Health Order, um, you know, World Health Organization declared it a pandemic on the 11th. Uh, you know, we we folded all operations uh, in person of having interns in the office and our different programs and things. We're a very social organization, right? There's a lot of things that uh, we do some that of are the first action that we person took in the community, uh, whether you know, it's the ideas the world, hive uh, or whether it's a swarm ride event um, or fleet farming. Um, it's a lot of human contact. 
And I'll say this, the last thing that we want to do in the environmental movement, even though it's Earth Month, and this is a big deal to cancel all the things that we were doing, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, right, would have been this month, many marches and events planned around the world. But we can't risk infecting the environmental movement with COVID-19, um, regardless of, um, you know, how uh, different groups are targeted by the virus to where it's it's more deadly than during other, um, you know, different groups and age demographics. Most important thing to do is not to spread it, right? So we want to stay home. We want to stop the spread of the virus and, and we want to have everybody stay safe. So this has been really the, the leading edge of the organization and thinking about what constitutes as, uh, you know, the most essential services in our community. And certainly growing food is one of them. We know that uh, I think one of the biggest impacts on, on the world in seeing what's going on with the response of COVID-19 is that we seriously need to localize a lot of our supply chains and a lot of our activities, right? There's so much of an opportunity for energy, water, food, waste, and ecology to be localized and to be considered locally. That's what we've always believed in as an organization is having that bottom-up uh, movement. So for ideas for us, you know, we're, we're very much so wanting to be cautious um, about when we come back into the community. And the nice thing is we have technology right now, right? We, we have the internet for this. We know what a virus is. Uh, imagine if we were stuck in a time period where we didn't know about viruses and we, and we didn't have the internet. This would be something so much worse. But um, it, it really comes down to the local impact of people. This event is about solidarity. Certainly we have solidarity for so many environmental organizations that have had to uh, you know, fold up shop and pause during this particular time. Uh, many have furloughed uh, their employees. Some don't know if they're ever going to open again. Um, you know, this is definitely an uncertain time for all different kinds of nonprofits. And many that have received underfunding for so many years, like food banks, uh, you know, are now being needed by the entire community all at once. So it's, a, it's definitely a trying time. What I'd like to do now is just turn it over to our team and talk a little bit about how we've reacted to this uh, in sheltering in place and a lot of the homesteading or sustainability related activities we've done because uh, that's important to talk about and to promote those kinds of things uh, during this time. Uh, well, hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I just wanted to share my love and gratitude to all of you for following ideas for us and fleet farming and being a part of our family of supporters. And I hope you all are safe and hunkered down, um, you know, practicing all of the precautions necessary in order to keep yourself healthy. And um, we really are excited for when things do finally come together and we are able to see you all in person again. Um, but for the time being, you know, these webinars are a good way for us to stay in touch. And, um, you know, it's been a really challenging transition into, you know, going to work every single day and now having to figure out ways to um, commit to these types of projects from home. But I will say that the immense amount of solidarity in terms of people reaching out and wanting to just check in on me and, and my family and, and feeling the responses of people when I do that for them. 
Um, I think that's definitely one of the, the shining guiding lights through this dark time is, is how people are just genuinely coming together and reaching out um, to show their love and appreciation for one another. And that's so needed here um, in this time. But, um, you know, I really feel like right now is a good time for true honesty. Um, a lot of people on social media, you know, it can be um, a really great facade of what's going on. You know, people are sharing fun, you know, jokes and, and tagging each other and like things like show us what's on your camera roll and show us random things in your pantry and stuff like that. And that's all well and good. It's definitely entertaining. But I think having a moment to be truly honest about, you know, what's what you're going through and, and how you're struggling um, and creating that safe, open space to express how you feel. Um, you know, I've I've been challenged with a lot of mental health issues through my my life. And this has been a really, really tough time um, emotionally for me. I can only imagine what some people who are maybe, you know, completely isolated and don't have anyone living in their home must be going through. Um, you know, you, you can have a really good day one day and then, and then get no sleep because of your anxiety or, you know, wake up and, and see the news and see the new numbers and just feel a, a complete grief that you don't know what to do with it. You don't know where to put it. And, um, you know, I'd have to just say, I have felt this similar grief with the climate um, uh, conditions right now as well. Waking up every day, feeling this added weight of, of sadness, of fear, of powerlessness. And Ideas for Us has really been my, um, my, my job, but also my passion because it is the place where I feel people come together to share their climate grief as well, so that together the load is a little bit lighter. So having these types of meetings during this virus is, is essential for our survival, for us to come together and unite so that we can together make the load a little bit lighter. Um, and so it's really awesome that you all are here and um, in terms of how I've been keeping up morale, you know, keeping busy and finding, which we'll get into, ways to, to be more sustainable and responsible at home so that, you know, at least you can feel like your footprint on the environment might be a way to positively, um, you know, use your time and feel good about this opportunity. Um, and being able to quantify that. So we'll talk about that um, in a little bit. But Caroline, tell us a little bit about how you've been um, working through this, this trying time. So, you know, it really has been developing every day. And like you said, for me, it's there's highs and lows of feeling like inspired to, you know, do what I can at home and to plan for the future of when we can get back to work and plan um, some of these really awesome online events that we have coming up, like our virtual swarm ride and um, remote education classes. Um, but really it's, you know, it's, it's a, a time of, of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to be affected. And so I think it's a really good time for us to prepare. Um, 
while we have, some of us have some free time, um, I'd just like to say thank you to all the essential workers who are working right now, the healthcare workers, um, the restaurant workers, uh, truck drivers, everyone who is out there still working right now. Thank you. Thank you for being essential and for helping us to keep our society going and provide really important services. Um, a lot of people don't have that work like they used to, uh, whether they're furloughed or they have been laid off or fired, um, which is really heavy. And I, I, I personally have been affected and a lot of people that I know have been affected. So we're here for you in, in this uh, solidarity of that. Um, but for me, like I'm really trying to see what I can do at home to keep my hope and to keep my positivity alive while I still can. And um, there's just some really fun things that you can do at home if you have some extra time. Um, the first thing is growing a garden. So whether you already have seeds and soil, or if you can start to be a little bit more creative on how you build your soil or how you um, find your seeds. Um, one thing that came up recently was food waste and your food scraps being a source of um, more food. So for instance, you can, um, you can harvest some seeds from maybe a pepper, the inside of a pepper core, or a, a tomato that you have, or um, some other plants that you have that are traditionally your food waste that you would just discard. And maybe drying that out on a paper towel and giving a go of gardening with it. Um, and the same goes for crops that you can regrow from the um, root structure. So that being things like lettuces or green onions or cabbage and just having a little experiment with it just to see if you could grow a little bit more food at home. Um, and also that goes with composting and building soil. So maybe using the leaves that are around your house and starting to mix that in with the soil that you have to start to create an ecosystem in the soil or tending to your compost pile. So those are just some ideas. Um, other related ideas are maybe checking your house for LED light bulbs, um, writing um, notes on which ones are LED that does save, um, help to save energy, um, as, well, uh, as well as having the time to think about reducing your, your water consumption, whether that's a DIY project for your toilet, maybe to put something in the tank to use less water, or to use your bath water to water your plants, to use the water um, that maybe when you're, you're wasting water while your shower is getting hot, using that water to, to put it on your plants outside. Um, even creating um, natural cleaning products with um, white vinegar and things like essential oils. So I think using this time to find a little bit of inspiration and creativity to be more sustainable at home is something that's been lighting my fire every day, um, as well as thinking about how I can serve um, my community by doing more education online. Because um, I know a lot more classes and students are open to learning. They have that extra time. So um, there's some really great resources out there to get people to learn a little bit during this, um, this downtime. How about you, Clay? Yeah, I mean, what I've been trying to do is to just stay on the, 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 the forward of different kinds of data and information coming out. You know, it, it, this is an unprecedented response that I think 
world governments are being asked to do. And they're all handling it in different ways. Um, here in Florida, of course, uh, things can, can get a little wacky. And, um, you know, what we're looking at as a state in this coming year worries me. You know, nationally, we're looking at EPA guidelines getting rolled back. And I think that's something that we'll talk about more, uh, you know, in this discussion. But my fear is the environment could be under serious attack when the economy opens back up. And we also don't know what's going on right now in a lot of decision making because everyone is so COVID-19 focused. Um, there could be a lot of um, very shady things happening environmentally. Um, here in Winter Park, there, you know, there was uh, a lot of local government decisions being made uh, during this through live webinar events. And there was a call in the community about how, uh, you know, it was kind of inappropriate to be making these kinds of decisions at a time like this. So I've been trying to stay in the know uh, of these kinds of things. What can nonprofits do uh, to respond to this? What can businesses do to respond to this? Uh, and try to stay open and keep people employed, you know? And, um, and if not, then what kind of resources can be sent their way? Um, you know, I've also taken this as a time to uh, catch up on sleep right, which I think a lot of people who are in the environmental, social, economic justice movement, there's not a whole lot of self-care going on, right? And I think that, um, you know, this is a little different than summer vacation, right? Let's just say that's maybe a time in my life when uh, I had some similar time at home uh, and I'd be, you know, uh, trying to be really productive, during that time period, especially when I was in college, I know I always took classes during the summer too, but this is different and it's okay to allow yourself to rest and to heal, um, especially so many of us that are incredibly passionate about our work. Maybe we're creatives, uh, maybe we're uh, you know, in the environmental and social justice movements uh, that are so needed around the world. Goodness, we push ourselves to the absolute limit where we practically die, uh, and some of us do. So holding this as space to be able to rest, I think, is important, too. So I've been kind of thinking about that and allowing myself to do that, as well as being there for a lot of other executive directors, people reaching out and, you know, what do I do with, with my organization? How can, how can we make the right decisions for our staff? So, you know, being able to speak from, from what ideas for us, uh, you know, has, has done in the fact that we're focused on long term. What will the response need to be three months from now, six months from now, five years from now? How can we transform where we're headed uh, as a society? How can we transform it, not just change it? Because you change, you can change back, but transform uh, would be to really, really make some leaps forward in farming, local agriculture, our supply chains, how workers are taken care of. Uh, do people work at home to relieve traffic? And is the answer not more roads, but maybe every other day people go to the office, right, with certain, uh, you know, parameters based on businesses? Who knows? But um, it's, a, it's a new world out there, and I'm trying to stay positive. And Ernest, of course. Thank you, Clay. Uh, um, we we want to hear what you're up to. Yeah. So I, I love a lot of the points that have been brought up. Um, one of the main things that you said, Clay, was uh, really thinking about how we can be good to ourselves, right? How we can practice self-care during this time. Um, but I think that a lot of 
people aren't realizing that, you know, we're not at home for fun. We're, we're on lockdown because of a very serious situation. So if you feel a sense of anxiety, like what Lee was talking about, that's okay. That's normal because this is a very messed up, serious situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, and we're not in a staycation of sorts. So if you feel anxious or, or maybe depressed in some way, know that that's normal. And the whole point of this event today is to acknowledge that. And that's what solidarity means. It means that we're all in this together, no matter where we come from, what walks of life we come from. And of course, some people are, are more fortunate than others. And Caroline did mention that we need to acknowledge the people that are on the front lines of this. We need to acknowledge the healthcare workers, the medical professionals who are risking their lives to do their jobs and save people from this horrible disease. We need to acknowledge farmers. the farm workers that are out there still farming our food for slavery level wages. And we need to acknowledge the people who are uh, stocking our grocery shelves and the people who are delivering our Amazon packages because they're not being paid enough money to justify the work that they're doing during this crisis. So if you hear or you see workers going on strike or demanding better treatment and better wages who are on these front lines, delivery drivers and, and grocery store workers, solidarity means acknowledging their struggle and acknowledging the fact that they have a right to demand better treatment during this time because they may not be lucky enough to stay home and work from home like a lot of us are. Um, so I, I think that that's really one of the big things here is just taking the time to talk about solidarity and, and the fact that we're all in this together. And the next thing I, I want to get to is the fact that climate change is also something that impacts everybody and that affects all of us, just like this pandemic is doing. Um, so that's the next big thing we're going to get to. We are going to take a break, uh, in a couple minutes, um, and we'll be back shortly. But in the meantime, write your questions in Facebook, uh, the comments section, and we'll do a Q and a section at the end of this and engage with some of the questions that you may have or any other comments you'd like to make. I see Angela Sanders has left a comment for us in, uh, Facebook and she's just voicing, uh, kind of acknowledging Lee's statement about voicing some of the struggles that we've uh, gone through the past couple weeks and the fact that we shouldn't just share the good stuff and the nice things. Of course, we do want to be positive and we want to be optimistic because we want to keep morale up. But I do think it's also important to talk about how scared we might be. And, and and how frightened we might be about the uncertainty of this time. Um, so that being said, uh, before we take a break, let's talk a little bit about climate change and what we think we can learn from this moment that we find ourselves in that we can carry into the climate movement because we don't want to go back to normal after this has subsided. It's a new world. 
And I just want to kind of hear from you guys what you think we can learn from this moment that can boost our efforts to save the world. Why don't we start with you, Lee? Um, So first and foremost, I thought about this today because I was not raised political and I always would tell myself that I wish I had more time to read about how our government works and how bills are passed and how something as big as climate change could be recognized in our our system um, and, and figure out how I can support or help to, um, you know, promote certain bills and have my voice as a constituent be heard. And so I think that, you know, as much as it's fun to binge watch shows and do things that might help pass the time, I think this might be a really good opportunity for people to um, educate themselves on greater issues that they might be able to um, contribute to Um, There are tons of courses online that you can take for free, but I think with regards to climate change in particular, I think this is the time to look at, you know, the Green New Deal, read it, you know, see what what people are are debating about. Um, Go online and and read about how more than 250,000 people die every year from climate change and and why that is and, and what our impact is. Um, and then figuring out how our government plays a role and how world governments play a role and figure out who you need to call, who you need to write, what bills are in process of being passed right now um, in order to, you know, raise your voice and hopefully be heard and encourage some of your friends to do the same because those numbers will eventually add up and we will be able to make our voices heard. So that's just one thing that I thought about. Um, in that regard. Thank you, Lee. So one of the things I did want to mention um, before we move on is some of the people in our community here in Orlando that have been showing a lot of solidarity in this moment and that are bringing resources and aid to all sorts of people in different uh, ways of in different types of need. Uh, Ana Eskamani, our local representative, has been instrumental for our community here in Orlando. And she's been in personal contact with Clay to help ideas for us in this time. So uh, one thing you can do is to reach out to your local representative. Uh, Anna is a state representative, so it doesn't even have to be your federal representative. Any type of local government official who shows the effort to be a member of your community is gonna be key during this crisis to give you the resources that you need to make it through and get all the the aid that you need right now. Um, So why don't we um, take it to Caroline and hear from you. Why do you think that climate change is not getting the urgency that it deserves? you know, this moment is getting a lot of urgency. We're in lockdown mode. What can we learn from this moment that we that can accelerate the environmental movement? Thanks, Ernest. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the times, you know, it's either that we don't really know what's going on because we're so busy with our day-to-day lives to stop and to think about how our landscape is gonna be affected in the coming years with new development, how um, certain laws that are being passed are gonna affect the sustainability 
of our entire state and so forth. So now is a really great time, as Lee said, to learn about who is our local representatives, what bills are on the legislative floor, what we can be fighting for together. And also, I think this is a great time to be building our tribe online. So whether it's following and, and um, getting to know different organizations and nonprofits that believe in the same things that you believe in, um, like uh, whether it's farm workers' rights um, with uh, Jeannie Economos and her nonprofit, the um, Florida Farm Workers Association, Florida, um, or it's other, you know, uh, like Second Harvest Food Bank that helps to fight food security, learning about those different nonprofits and learning how you can get involved and volunteer. Um, and the global climate strike movement had went online pretty fast. They made an announcement that once it was spreading in Europe, that all climate climate strikes will be online. So it's really interesting to see how that is going to play out and to see how that will develop into activism in the future, whether it's focusing more on um, online strikes and phone banking and online petitions and really hitting it hard on social media and pushing and putting that pressure on our lawmakers to, to care about certain environmental things like, for instance, the fact that Florida doesn't have renewable energy goals for the entire state, which is something that we could push forward together or, you know, our farm workers rights. So um, that have to do with heat exhaustion that we learned about. So there's different things that we can be learning about right now um, from groups like Youth Climate Strike and um, Fridays for Future um, in the climate strike um, arena. Um, ideas for us will be involved with an online climate strike. We're developing and planning it right now. Um, we're going to be sharing testimonials and videos and images and inviting everyone to get involved with that too, um, to share more of the, the educational aspect of um, what we can do during that time. So I think it really is about creating that tribe online and figuring out how we can know what's going on environmentally and get more involved. Thank you, Caroline. Thanks for all the questions coming in, the comments. Um, before we get to your questions, feel free to leave any more in the comments below. Um, let's hear from Clay. So, <laughs> Clay, what do you think we can learn from this moment? Uh, everything that we're seeing in the reaction to this pandemic, the urgency that world leaders and communities have reacted, the fact that we're in lockdown, extreme measures to flatten the curve of infection. What can we learn from this that we can carry forward to save the world and you know, realize our efforts of urban farming and renewable energy and reducing pollution and waste? All these things that Ideas for Us is trying to do on a local level, what can we learn uh, from this pandemic that can energize the environmental movement? Yeah, thank you, Ernest. I mean, there's there's a whole lot to learn here. Uh, for me, what's been such a an amazing, I think, thing that I've always known but is so clear now, right, is that um, we're really seeing that most economies around the world at any given time are 60 to 90 days from ruin and that we really need to be investing in an infrastructure around the world globally that can handle energy, water, food, waste, and ecology uh, hyper-locally when these different kinds of events occur. 
Uh, I think that in many cases, the local reaction that uh, communities have taken to combating the virus uh, is really across the spectrum. Some of it is is uh, far below acceptable, and in other cases, it's been uh, in you know in lockstep with the science and everything like that that we're being given as far as um, recommendations from the CDC and the WHO, et cetera, and from medical professionals, really. So um, what on earth will be our, our reaction to climate change this century, right? Just as the 20th century was filled with so many different trials and tribulations with the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl and uh, World War I and II uh, and you know, the Cold War, here we are stepping into a new century and we know that so many of these impacts from climate change are going to be happening in the next few decades. In many cases, they already are for uh, places close to sea level and places that are experiencing extreme weather events. So we really need to look at what is the way forward to keep our society going in the most important ways possible. And how can we use this as a, as a serious time to examine these things and, and come together locally? You know, it's a tough question to answer because here we are isolated due to a virus. Uh, but in the few months when we come back into uh, the end of social distancing in 2020 or even into 2021, however long this winds up lasting, the work needs to go into planning how to strengthen our infrastructures of food and energy and caring for people with health care, because um, this is nothing compared to what we're going to experience with climate change if we continue to do nothing uh, on the same course that we have for the last 30, 40 years. Thank you, Clay. Yeah. So uh, let's get to some of these questions. And I hope that we've actually addressed some of them in our discussion here. Uh, thank you, Ishan, for commenting. He's saying maybe we can get the uh, breaks uh, sponsored in some way. Um, Trina, we miss you. Uh, thank you for commenting. Trina's asking how the Envir or the Earth Day movement the Earth Day strike, the climate strike on the 22nd will live on. Uh, I think Caroline already teased that a little bit. That's in a strategy phase right now. And Sean Patton has a question about how we can keep the community together during social distancing. I think Clay just addressed that as well. And thanks, uh, Kimberly Newton, for shouting out Ana Eskimani. Um, we just gave her a shout out too as well. Really, really great resource for our community. Thanks, Jim, for joining and commenting. Um, so if you have any other questions, uh, now's the time to leave them down below in the comments on uh, Facebook, Facebook Live, before we end this event. Um, Lee and Caroline, did you have any other thoughts on the uh, topics that have been brought up? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question about how to bring the community together while still practicing social distancing. Um, I've seen people in our community finding ways to still work together. Um, I've seen people organize community cleanups where basically you leave the materials on the cleanup uh, for a cleanup on someone's door and basically give them instructions and say that you would take care of sorting the recycling to leave it at this address. You know, um, 
I think that's a really awesome thing to do is just to try to encourage your neighbors to go around and on their walk to just pick up trash and, you know, anything that needs to be separated out for recycling, you know, you can volunteer yourself to do it and just tell them where to drop it off. Um, that's a really great way to work with people at a distance um, to better your community. Um, I brought up the raking leave um, uh, example, and I definitely think leaves in the community, they go into our stormwater drains and a lot of times can um, create some issues of excess nutrients um, running into our waterways. And so I think collecting leaves and utilizing them as a carbon amendment for your compost is also a really great option. So encouraging people to rake leaves and put them in a pile so that you can use them um, for your compost. If you're a composter um, at home, that's also a really great way to um, work together as a community. Um, also, I thought of a cute idea that I want to try of creating out of upcycled materials, um, some old campaign signs and some wood that I see people throw away, maybe a little seed share box that you can put in your um, lawn, uh, in, in your front yard, or if you live in an apartment, maybe you can build a small box, uh, paint it, decorate it, and then just tell people, you know, take one, leave one. Maybe you can put cuttings of different plants. It doesn't necessarily have to be edible, but you know, people want to do something with their hands. It's very therapeutic to garden right now. So finding ways to exchange knowledge, exchange information, exchange seeds, cuttings in your apartment complex or what have you. Um, that's a really great thing that maybe you can talk to your neighbors about starting. Um, so those are really fun ways to do that with your community. Caroline and I wrote down some um, fun ways to be more sustainable at home that we've been practicing. And I'd love for you guys to post in the comments some ways that maybe you've been more sustainable at home. Um, many of you know that I found a really great DIY detergent, laundry detergent um, recipe on YouTube. And I practiced um, doing it for the first time. And it's great. I've made over 24 bottles of detergent that we're still using for under $30 and it's cleaning our clothes. So it's really great. And I can post that in the comments. Um, also just the fact that we're cutting our emissions by staying home. So maybe this might be a really great way to just you know save money on gas and save your emissions. So that's a good thing in and of itself. Um, Caroline had mentioned changing out light bulbs for more energy efficient uh, light bulbs. Ernest and I took a crack at um, utilizing some weather stripping for some of our older windows and doors in order to prevent the loss of our air conditioning when we do put it on. Um, since it's been a little bit cooler, we haven't really been using air conditioning um, unless it gets over 85 degrees. So we've been trying to basically acclimate our bodies to um, being accustomed to some warmer days um, so that we don't have such a high energy bill. So using darker curtains to close off our windows at the peak of the day when it's the hottest and opening our front and back door to create a cross breeze has been the way that we've been able to cut some of our energy consumption. Um, so those are some really great tips on just how to be more conscious. Of course, I'm a huge advocate for not flushing every single time, especially since you're at home and you can monitor that. I know it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, 
But, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to flush every single time. And so I think that that's a great way to conserve water, um, challenging yourself to take shorter showers, you know, maybe even making it a little competitive um, so that every day you're just being more and more conscious of your behavior. Um, those are really great tricks that you can start to practice right now. You know, maybe on a commercial break in between your favorite show, you just run and take a quick shower and try to challenge yourself to be done before your show starts up again. You know, little tricks like that. Um, uh, also, um, we talked about growing food. And I think that I've seen from people online they're really getting creative, especially when it comes to having a balcony or a windowsill and not an entire lawn. Um, you can actually grow a substantial amount of food just in a windowsill. And you don't necessarily have to have the best soil and the best um, you know, pots and, and all of these fancy things that you see on the top shelf at Home Depot. You can utilize um, you know, coffee cans um, and poke some holes in the bottom, add a little bit of leaves at the, at the bottom of the coffee can, and then some, some topsoil that you might find. But our soil here in Florida is actually a pretty good at holding water. It has some, some you know, issues in terms of not having enough nutrients, but you can amend some soil in our Florida soil, and it holds water pretty well. Um, and then you can just grow easy things like cilantro. You know, we were buying cilantro at um, Publix for a dollar for a small bushel. But if you knew how much you could get out of a pack of seeds that's probably less than a dollar, you would be amazed. You would have cilantro all year if you knew that. So finding those little tricks um, to, to grow food at home, I think, during this is really, really great. Um, plus, you get to upcycle some trash. Um, and I'd love for Caroline to talk about upcycling clothes to make masks and things like that. Yeah, so I've got a, I've been on the kick of making masks too, and I'm using some um, material that uh, was from uh, curtains that I had already hemmed the material off of, and maybe a, a piece of material that I just had in my scraps, and using that to create new masks. I made new masks for all of our farmers that are volunteering during this time. Um, and so I think that's a, a good idea is instead of buying new things. Um, I think that we're all trying to kind of, you know, watch how much we're spending. So seeing how many things at home you can reuse, like your recyclables, turning them into your growing containers, keeping in mind that plastics do leach if they're kept in the sun, um, but trying to be more creative. Um, with the seeds, a lot of big seed companies are not selling to, they're only selling to commercial growers. Um, so you can look for smaller seed companies. And even on Amazon, they have organic seeds where you can buy them online. Um, you can also buy things like um, worm castings online, which is great for amending our soils and um, tending our soils, even um, tilling our soil and adding some organic matter like the leaves to break down and some of our food waste to build our soils. And I think that goes to another point that it's a really good time to appreciate nature. I've been seeing a lot of people getting out into their local parks and just taking a moment to realize that there's an ecosystem that we live within that is operating 
regardless of if we're going to work or not. And taking that time to appreciate your local bird community or your trees that are working every day to clear our air and provide shade. So I think it's a really good time to tend your soil, maybe try to grow something, appreciate your plants, find that house plant that has been struggling and really learn about how to take care of it, how much water or less water it needs. So those are some ideas um, as along with um, doing some sustainability at home, reducing your water, like which was mentioned. And I'll say it again, just taking the time to find some local nonprofits that you support. Um, another one is the Florida Native Plant Society. Um, one of our friends um, has been posting some videos. And so it's a good time to figure out what your passion is environmentally mm -hmm. and to see if there's a group like Orlando Permaculture, Farm Workers Association, et cetera, that you can join um, to see if they have any needs, you know, um, at this time. So I would uh, encourage everyone to get outside and get some sunlight anyways for your own mental health. And even getting your hands in the soil um, has been shown in studies to help with depression. So really getting connected back with our ecosystem and realizing that we're a really big part of that. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's great. And you know, I have to add two other things, just like there's always so many things that you can't get to because it's on your list, but it's at the bottom of your list and your busy, hectic schedule. And so now that we actually have the time, it's amazing to see, okay, I don't know the name of this random houseplant that someone gave me as a gift, but now I have the time to research it. I have the time to figure out how to better take care of it. And I love that idea. Um, also, one of the things that I've noticed is just in, in exercising the time of going around to all my outlets and shutting off my power strips when I'm not in that room and doing things like unplugging, you know, random appliances that I'm not using, we really take for granted the privilege that we have to just flip on light. And I think the fact that we are able to slow down a little bit and just pay attention to our behavior and just double check kind of what we're doing on our day-to-day -day that might be harmful. It really amazes me all of these things that I just plugged and just went to work and didn't take a second look until now to say, I could be saving so much money and energy if I would have just kept this unplugged until I needed it. So doing those little evaluations are also really great use of your time during this uh, quarantine. I love all this. Really great stuff. I think one of the big things here is the fact that uh, when we're all sitting around at home on lockdown and quarantine, um, you don't want to just be staring at the wall or staring at the ceiling. You want to do some projects with your hands. Put your mental energy to something. So whether that's gardening or cleaning, chores, whatever, anything to keep you stimulated that's not just watching Netflix is really, really, really good for you during this time to to stay motivated and and, and full of, of energy for the day-to-day -day existence of just being in the same place all the time. Um, I want to give a shout out to Jim Hobart in the comments section right now. Thank you for watching. Thank you Jim. for commenting. Um, he says he can't wait to show us how his pollinator garden is doing because it's thriving and he's going to send us some photos. Um, so please, anybody out there that wants to share how their garden is doing, whether or not you're growing vegetables, um, it can be really good to appreciate, like Caroline was just saying, the wildlife that's out there and the fact that 
for the most part, animals and, and nature is not affected by this virus. And they're kind of doing better off because we're not out and about as much and we're not the, the, the wheels of civilization aren't churning as much as they usually do. Um, Jim does have a question. So Jim is asking that uh, he's been putting food waste and plant material into his city of Orlando composter for about a year. It's about two thirds full right now. He wants to know what the next step is and when and how he gets this into the garden. So this is a kind of recurring question for a lot of people here in Orlando that have these big black compost bins. So this might be really useful. Or if you don't live in Orlando and you've been trying to compost and you're not sure kind of what the process is, um, what is that that next step when once it breaks down? Mm -hmm. um, this is a really oxygen. It needs it needs to be tilled. You know, some of these are kind of a set it and forget it model. Um, but if you want to speed up the process, I would add some oxygen by moving the material around, making sure that it's um, they say to keep it like a wrung out sponge. So a little bit moist um, and also shout out to O-Town Compost because they are a really great resource locally for composting. They even have a, a at home composting service. Um, mm -hmm. Lee? Um, so if you guys have, I know, um, here, if you guys can mute, I know somebody, somebody has, um, Jim has a, um, fire pit. And so you can sometimes take some of the, um, wood charcoals from your fire pit and add that into your composter as well. So if you're at a place where your composter is ready, um, you're hoping to get in there and figure out whether or not there's any soil ready. You can remove the composter and lay down a tarp and everything that was inside, you can put on the tarp and slowly start to filter with some type of colander. And that might be an old screen to an old window or um, you know, a little grate or something that you can use to filter out the good soil um, from the kind of harder, not fully decomposed um, bits of food and old waste that's in there. Um, you want to remove the finer, um, like Caroline said, more moist soil that's already de fully decomposed, and then you want to spread that in your garden. Um, all of the larger pieces, you want to chop up with a shovel um, and then re-add into your composter. And you want to try to have a um, two for one of carbon and nitrogen which basically is Way Nelson, shout out to Way Nelson who taught me everything about composting. Um, it's basically you wanna have two times the amount of carbon than you have for nitrogen. So two times of dry than you do for wet. And so paper, um, like paper bags or dried leaves, dried plant material, you want that to be the carbon that's basically going to be a very porous molecule that will absorb a lot of that wet food waste, and that's the nitrogen. That way you don't have it really smelly and, and, and attracting a bunch of flies. It'll basically absorb a lot of those excess nutrients and have a really nice balance. Um, and you wanna do that in kind of a layered way in your composter. And intermittently, I'd say once every quarter, till it and take the good soil out, and then you're back to business. So one of the yeah. things uh, that we're... You know, I also think that this is an amazing opportunity for people to 
just be really thankful for green spaces in their communities. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that I really hope comes of all of this is that people advocate for green spaces more around our communities and that they stand up for parks and for wild places to be protected and to not have highways, uh, you know, cut through them uh, and so on. Because look at the treasure that they are to our community. Look at how so many people rely on these places because even in a quarantine, exercise, right, is still allowed. Being outside is still encouraged. As long as you're practicing social distancing and you're using a mask and gloves and taking the, the right precautions for yourself, uh, this is a really important time for us to, to really acknowledge uh, and thank the people who've who've stood up for these green spaces in urban planning and in land trusts and things like that. And hopefully this, you know, proves their value, right? What would people in uh, highly dense urban areas do without their parks and green spaces? So really, really important stuff for us to think about too is to imagine how to increase those kinds of things and talk about that uh, locally in our discussions with one another. Talk about those things with elected officials so people can imagine, right, what is the possibility that is, uh, you know, out there for your community to be more sustainable and to have these kinds of, um, you know, wonderful places that encourage biodiversity and carbon absorption and mental health services for people because we really do need nature. Love it. All right. So yeah. a lot what a lot of this is dipping into is we're going to be doing several online events throughout the course of this month, Earth Month, April. Uh, and a lot of those are going to be centered around uh, gardening, urban farming, fleet farming events that would have otherwise occurred in person. We're going to find ways to bring those to you virtually in formats similar uh, to this one. So please keep an eye on our social media uh, for these events and and the, the resources that we want to do uh, during this quarantine time, including uh, our remote gardening education services, which I think are already underway. So uh, Angela and Steve, um, who have um, uh, put in our comments some questions here, maybe you can sign up for some remote gardening education so we can go in detail with specifically what you're um, doing. It looks like Steve's question is not about um, gardening. So he's asking um, that about respect for science. Um, science deniers who didn't prepare us for the threat of COVID are the same people who uh, deny climate change. And this could be a moment that more people could take this seriously. So that's a really good point. We do want to want to uh, wrap this up uh, pretty soon. We're already at an hour. Um, and thank you all for leaving comments and engaging in our discussion. But maybe that can be a, a way that we can wrap this up is thinking about the bigger picture, right? One of the things I, I wanted to bring up is the idea that a lot of people have been talking about this concept of flattening the curve. Right. And we've seen this graph where we see these two models of these really steep curve and this much flatter curve to symbolize the level of infection and how our medical system can become overwhelmed if we don't stay at home. That's the whole reason why we're in lockdown. Right. Um, 
So if you think about it, the Earth also has a caring capacity, just like our environmental or just like our climate or sorry, our medical system. Um, so if we can think about that concept and the caring capacity of the earth, maybe if we're going to learn one thing from this whole crisis is the idea of flattening the curve of climate change and the limited amount of resources that we have here in our planet, right? And some of the measures that we can take similar to what we're doing right now, staying at home and things like that to keep the curve of climate change as flat as possible because we're going to reach a tipping point if we haven't already of the carrying capacity of our planet. Um, that's something that I really want people to think about and, and maybe something we'll be talking about a lot more during this quarantine period. So we're right about the end of the discussion here. So I'm just going to open it up to you all for last comments, thoughts, um, if you want to sort of touch on Steve's question about science, um, that could be a good time to do so. But we do want to respect people's time and not go on super long. So, uh, Clay, why don't we start with you? Yeah, of course. I mean, goodness, thank, thank, thank science that we know what a virus is, right? And that we're facing this, uh, this outbreak with a level of, of you know, not just knowing what the virus is, but the fact that its, uh, you know, genome was mapped and a vaccine was created for human trials. Uh, I think it was in something like 40, 40 or so days, right? This is an unbelievable scientific triumph that's come from really testing our understanding uh, of viruses and virology and epidemiology uh, and all of these things. And we, we should all feel very fortunate that we know what to do, right? This isn't a strange mystery spreading around where half of our population is getting sick and dying, right? This is something where we, we can take steps to predict it. So thank goodness for that. Um, certainly science is so key for us to really understand uh, the response in, in a medical way, but also to climate change and really fostering that particular um, you know, uh, decision-making, uh, uh, you know, uh, path that we follow, putting leaders that acknowledge science in office, right? We have elections coming up uh, in this country and uh, still so many people don't vote, right? And, uh, and it's just heartbreaking, uh, you know, when you see these things locally uh, in your own community and then of course national numbers of people who don't vote and participate in our democratic process. So we always have to be a voice for science um, and, and advocating that, you know, if science proves that one of our viewpoints about something to do with environmentalism or climate change is incorrect, then our view on environmentalism and climate change will change, right? Because we have to go along with what the scientific proof says. And um, that's just needed now more than ever. Why don't we hear from Caroline next? Um, <laughs> I guess I just feel that, um, you know, we're gonna have to see how this whole virus plays out. And um, I think 
we're going to be learning within the next few weeks, really where it's going to be taking us, you know? So yeah, that's all I have to really share on that. All right, Lee, final thoughts. Well, I think that with regards to our relationship with nature, um, you know, this virus came from, it was suspected to have come from these wet markets that animals are exploited in every single day from the animal trade and are used as a monetary form of income for people. And I think that, you know, this is a lesson that we need to learn as many viruses have been through the years that we need to stop looking at nature as a commodity and we must take this time to learn that we cannot separate ourselves from the earth and from other living things. We are nature, we are the earth and how we treat it directly impacts us in return. And I think that that is a huge gap in our political structure, in our social structure, and how we have developed ourselves into this completely separate species, not living in perfect symbiotic relationships with every ecosystem around us. And that's taking a toll on the planet, and now it's coming back to take a toll on us. And so if something huge can come from this, I hope that people will second guess um, how we treat the planet and how we treat other living things so that we do not have suffer from other repercussions uh, similar to this virus. Well said. Very well said. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this event. We will be back with a virtual swarm ride fleet farming event um, on Sunday, which is Easter. So I know many of you may be engaged in some Easter type events on Sunday, but we're going to try to do our first virtual swarm um, during this time. And uh, I will end this stream with that graphic of every event that we have planned uh, for the month. And there's more stuff coming um, that we'll be uh, providing more details on in the coming days and weeks. And also, I put in the comments section of the uh, live stream the links to the remote gardening education service that we are doing, um, where you can connect with us privately through a phone call or video chat to get some tips uh, to your particular garden, and we can connect that way. So thank you all so much. Uh, thanks for a great event. Thank you for everybody for tuning in and for all the comments. Thank you, Lee, Caroline, and Clay. And we'll be back. Stay safe out there. Stay socially distant. And we love you. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Ernest. Thank Bye, you. community. Thank Bye. you, everyone. We love you. Thanks for listening to the official Ideas for Us podcast. Learn more about our environmental action projects by visiting ideasforus.org and stay in the loop by subscribing to our monthly newsletter. 
Support this podcast and our environmental action projects by donating or becoming an individual or CSR member today at ideasforus.org memberships. This episode has been made possible by all our valued members. Together, we are advancing environmental action worldwide. Please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed it. In the meantime, stay tuned to hear what amazing guests we'll be featuring in future episodes. We'll see you next time on the official Ideas For Us podcast.